Okay, Hello everyone. We're yeah, we're on. Hello everyone to the Hero Football Talk uh, on a special Monday Eastern edition. Um, we were happy if you can put in the comments down there what you did Eastern. It's a special year. Eastern, everyone is at home, nobody with family. Maybe link us in in some pictures, whatever you did over Eastern. Me and Coach Meta for us was also special coach Meller want to see his friend back from the day in, in Germany. I wanna I wanna go home to Dresden to my family and yeah we are not allowed to do that so we make a little barbecue with our players there here in our import house on Saturday and make the best out of this crazy situation we have right now. Um, yeah coach Meller how was your Eastern without family? So I'm going to be honest, it actually wasn't that bad because um, even though we had this lockdown and we had this barbecue, it felt like the same every Easter. <laughs> the only difference was is, um, actually, what was it? I don't even know. <laughs> it was actually the same. I think we probably broke some laws, but since nobody caught us, we didn't have to pay a fine because out here in Germany, they're implementing now, now fines and stuff like that. But, you know, it was a good Easter. And now we, and now we have the pleasure this Monday straight out of the streets from Warsaw, literally sitting in his car because he's terrified of getting arrested, apparently, is actually one of my good friends. Um, and it's funny because today, this morning, and yesterday I was getting some messages from some fans of yours back in Poland saying he is the best strength and conditioning coach in Poland. And it is yeah. my buddy, um, Michał Sorde. How's it going on, man? And how yeah, that situation with the car? Once again, how's this, how's your situation with the car right now? Sitting in there, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's it's warm and it's not raining inside, so it's good. Is it raining outside? Uh, yeah, a little bit. It started. How how's this how's this whole um, Corona situation with you guys right now? Uh, I think it's uh, similar to to other countries in Europe. We're uh, in the lockdown, which means that you cannot like go outside except going for groceries and then uh, pharmacies and stuff like that. Uh, we're limited to, to meetings over two people, which means like I, I can meet with you, but your, your friend has to go. <laughs> 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 and uh, other than that, uh, it's crazy, man. Uh, everything is closed and uh, you, you have no idea how long it's going to last. And our government is using Corona to repress our people and change the policies a little bit. So it's, okay. it's a little bit unfair because you, you, you cannot meet with your family, but they're doing like the government, government meetings and they're, they're yeah. traveling around Poland and stuff like that, which pisses people off a little bit, but can't do anything. We haven't about heard anything that. out here in Germany about that. Like, no. Kind of change laws, but we could see something like you. To be no, honest, smarter than us. So. What was that? You're smarter than us. So. You're smarter than us. That was one yeah. thing you look at where you look at some of the things being implemented. Like for us here right now, same thing as you guys. Also, the the two person rule, unless it's like family, family, they yeah. say to limit it. But if it's family, like you can't say hey to your kid, hey, we gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's not gonna yeah. work. But yeah, um, I, I got it. But uh, for for example, like a couple days ago uh, on. April 10th and today we have like three three days ago yeah so basically 10 years ago there was a, a plane crash in, in Russia with half of our government 
it was a big deal in Poland and uh, a lot of politics died in, in that crash, mm -hmm. uh, which was caused by uh, not respecting the procedures and, and some rules. So uh, three days ago, we had the 10 year anniversary of that crash and uh, they telling people not to go to the, uh, to the streets and uh, to person rule and, and stuff like that. And suddenly they're organizing a meeting on the big square to celebrate the, the anniversary. So a lot of people are like laughing, like uh, 10 years ago, you were not respecting the procedures and that's cre that created a crash. And 10 years after, you haven't learned anything because you're still not respecting procedures. That's crazy. You're not wearing masks, you're not wearing gloves, you're not respecting the lockdown rule and, um, and stuff like that. So people are sitting at home and they're just going wild. Yeah, I mean, one thing I was going to ask you since, I mean, you're a strength and conditioning coach and you have also um, private clients and so forth. Like, yeah. how is that for you right now? Because, for example, for us here, at least for what I've been seeing, a lot of friends of mine too, um, they're doing a lot of like online coaching. So they're having yeah. like di digital, digital training sessions because for right now in Germany, for example, I don't know what is in Poland, but you're allowed to go outside and work out, but only one person on your own. Yeah, I think it's the same here. However, they, they can give you a fine for riding a bike. So nobody knows what's going on. Well, what like, are, you uh, are, you, are you still in contact with your clients? Are you training them right now? Or how's that going? Yeah, uh, mo most of my clients uh, have some kind of a programming that I gave them away. And uh, it, it changes every week because they're changing the rules. Some of, some of my athletes were like sprinting twice, uh, twice per week. Mm -hmm. And uh, now they, they're not allowed to do that. So we have to change some, some things in the programming constantly. But I'm not calling, I'm not doing video calls with them. Okay. And I'm not, like not sitting in front of the computer watching them uh, squat, doing squats in the, in the living room. Uh, I, I can do that, but uh, mo most of them were taught how to do certain exercises because I'm a huge fan of like giving my knowledge away to my athletes, like not, not correcting them all the time, but actually asking them, how, how would you do that exercise? How would you do this and this and this and exercise? So I'm preparing them for, uh, for independent training in the future because I'm aware that uh, I'm not going to be with them or they're not going to train with me all the time so instead of like let's use squat as an example instead of like giving them cues like bring your heels closer bring your heels wider point your toes a little bit more outside more inside i'll give them the cues uh and ask them during the, the squat like what's your heel width in the squat and they're like uh i told you stand a little bit wider than your hips like point your feet point your toes to one and eleven and once they remember that, if they're at home, I'm not, they, they don't need me there because they already know that they have to stand a little bit wider than their hips and point their, their toes on one and 11. And they have a good setup for the squat. I give them a couple, couple like key points in each exercises to focus on. And I, I believe that they can work out on their, uh, on their own. I, I love that. Right I mean, we've been talking about this too, where it's like, that also goes in the strength conditioning training. We also talk about it also from the aspect of when it comes down to, to let's say our, our installs, our, our schemes that we're running, right? Yeah. And like I always say, I want my players to know exactly what our strategy is, why we are doing this. Yeah. I don't want robots out there just running and I want guys to understand the intricacies. So it goes, 
hand in hand with strength and conditioning and also the whole tactic aspect of it. So yeah, I don't know why you're for, saying that where it's like you 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 want to prepare them so when they're in that situation, they don't need you for every yeah. baby step. Yeah, they for example, if if you have an athlete who's uh, let's use a tennis as an example, who's a tennis player and he's traveling a lot for, for the competition. He has to maintain some uh, some workout regime, some strength training regime while he's traveling. Traveling, so you're not gonna be calling him when he's in Australia. Uh, it it might be a middle of the night for you, so uh, you have to prepare him to do the basics on on his own. For for sure, it doesn't mean that I'm useless in a, in a training uh, in a training regime or in a training routine. I can give, I can still give him some cues and uh, I can change the programming. I'm there to motivate them as well. But uh, at, to some level, I want my athletes to be to be independent. And uh, I I think it's a matter of, of principles and uh, why you're doing uh, the, the the thing that you're doing. Why are you becoming a strength and conditioning coach? A lot of people are doing this purely for uh, for business purposes, mm-hmm. and for them, they don't want to give the, those advices because they want to keep the client as long as they can with them. Would you say this is more of a European thing, uh, like in general, or is this just overall where you see kind of this aspect where coaches say, you know what, they don't want to share their knowledge because this is the same thing also. We talked about this with one of, best, one of my best friends, one of the top coaches also in Europe, and he's coached in the States and in Japan, where he said like there's coaches out there that they don't want to share their stuff because they're worried like, oh, people are going to find out or, you know what I mean? They're, yeah, they're but, not uh, do you mean that they don't want to share it with other coaches or with their athletes? Because I think this, these are like two different things. L- um, more with other coaches, for example. So, I don't think it's like European thing or it's, any, it's not typical for, for any nation. I think it's like a person dependent, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Okay. Uh, hmm. To be honest, it's it's where to to some point you you ha- you can share your knowledge with other coaches, but you at the same point at the same time you have to remember that this is some kind of your competition. So once you put the work into getting that knowledge, I see no reason to give it away for free mm-hmm. to it to everyone else. That's that's why a lot of people are creating courses, they're writing books, they want to share the knowledge, but you, you have to pay for the time that they spend getting that knowledge. Right. And I mean that, uh, I think that's, that's fine. Like giving everything away for free, it's, it's not a good thing. And then what about, now we're talking about athletes, because there's, there's some coaches that they just don't tell their, their players. Like it, yeah. it has to do also with end conditioning, but also even just in general, just sports. Yeah, for, for athletes, I think it depends on the, on the athlete type and what's their like, uh, mental characteristic, like the, their archetype of, of, of an athlete. Some of them are really, really like technicians mm-hmm. uh, and they really want to know the technical aspect and the reasons why they're doing certain things. And there are some other athletes, they do not care. And uh, you, you're going to waste your time explaining them why they're doing their ex- that exercise. Mm-hmm. They don't care. You just tell them what to do and they're going to do it. So these are two different type of athletes. And I think at the beginning as a, as a strength and conditioning coach is it's good to understand what types of athletes we have and how to communicate with them. So you can save your energy and time. Nuts. Would you say this also ties back 
because also your way of thinking, because I mean, in my opinion, especially the way that I learn and I think it's also been also my, my mindset in terms of, like you said, sharing to a certain point, also with certain athletes, because you do get the type where you're like, there's no point for me to teach you this because you're not going to remember, you're not going to grasp it. For example, like you said, different archetypes, would you say this also goes back to your history as being a judo athlete, your mentality, and then going in, because I also want to know for you to share with us also how it came to be you coming from judo going into now, you know, I believe was it physical therapy first or was it strength and conditioning first? I think it was both at the same time. I mean, uh, in, in Poland back then when I was studying, we didn't have a strength and conditioning faculty at the university. Okay. And I believe that we still don't have one. So it was kind of a, a natural thing. I was really connected to the sport and I didn't see my, I couldn't see myself in a, in a desk, like office environment. Mm-hmm. So a natural way, I mean, I was in a mathematical, physical, and informatic class in the high school, which it's, it's pretty weird. But from that, I went into the university to Academia Vychowania Fizycznego, which is an uh, academy of physical education mm-hmm. in, in Warsaw. And they, back then, they had three faculties. They had like a touristic and recreation. The second one was uh, physical education. And the third one was physical therapy. And the physical therapy seemed like the, the most ambitious one. So I decided to, to go there and uh, do this. But uh, when I was at the third year of my five-year program, I went uh, for, for, for practice internship. Yeah, I went for an internship to Center of Sports Physical Therapy. And I already knew that the standing next to the physical bell like the, and giving the manual therapy is not the thing mm-hmm. I can do. Uh, one of the reasons was it was too boring for me at the beginning. And the second reason was my thumbs. Because uh, as a former judo player, I had all my fingers dislocated many, many times. So after giving a long physical ther- manual therapy sessions, my thumbs just hurt so much mm-hmm. that I started to use my elbows and you know, things like that. Yeah, but that was not the that was not the level of intensity and in work that I was looking for. Would you say if, that was you know I mean. right? Would you say that's something then that because this is the thing, right? And I'm, I mean, I came across you. Was it 2000, 2018? It was in May, actually, my birthday. I was in I was in Vashava, and I and yeah, I the you. Franz, Franz Bosch. Yeah. yeah. So was that the is that the, the, the convention they had? Um, I forgot what the name was. It was the one that the Lega Vashava was having. And yeah. I remember seeing you and the first thing that that you were the guy and for the most part you do this at and we talk about this all the time at every single clinic or convention when the speaker asks, like you're one of the guys that says, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna stand up there and I'm gonna be the dummy because everyone's yeah. basically scared to stand up there. Um, what I wanna get at is because this is a thing. And you're one of the few guys that I know that will go out there because, and your resume speaks for itself. Like you've been essentially everywhere just trying to learn because from what you're saying is in Poland, there isn't like a true strength conditioning faculty. So you look at and saying, you know what, I need to have a certain curriculum under my belt to be able to now give back to my athletes. Like what made you yeah, go exactly. out there and go learn from the best? Because from what I come across, especially people in our business, not a lot of people do that. You know what I mean? They're, they're, not, they're not really willing to invest and go out there and spend their hard-earned money 
to now do what to go learn because they think, oh, it's a fucking waste. Yeah, they're they're counting some monies, uh, uh, and I think the basic calculation is that okay, if I'm gonna spend two thousand dollars for a course, does it mean that I can increase my one-on-one -on -one training rate from I don't know one hundred dollars to one hundred fifty right now? And uh, that's the, the that's the flawed thinking. I think that uh, you owe that to your athletes because they're believing you with their money, their time, mm -hmm. and mo what's most important with their health. They're giving you away your their health because they believe that you're going to do the good thing. And I think, I believe that it's very important for us to develop ourselves to the, to the best level that we can. So we can provide our athletes with uh, with the best quality of uh, of the training. That's I think it's a it's a principle. I, I believe that, and um, that's why I went for all the courses. And uh, the first course I did, like the big one, was Axos, and it changed a lot in my thinking. I invested a lot of money back then. That's expensive. That shit's a lot. Yes, and imagine that back then when I did it, it was like two. 2012 I think I was at the end of my university I was working in the center of physical therapy with uh, with uh, with patients and they were paying me back then 23 slotis for an hour which is like four euros five euros for an hour of working with uh, a patient who just might underwent a spine surgery mm -hmm. Uh, the the clinic was collecting 150, which is like I don't know 40 euros, and they were giving me 23 slotis, which was like typical thing back then. Mm -hmm. And imagine that me earning 23 slotis per hour, I spent 2,000 dollars for for a course. I was I was very lucky because after after I did judo. I started to do a little bit of snowboarding as a passion and some parkour stuff as a passion as well, some amateur gymnastics thing. And I got connected with a friend of mine who was as a, working as a stuntman. And I did a couple, couple games like that. I was working as a stuntman and they gave me a call one day uh, to participate in a casting for, uh, for a commercial. And I just went there. It was like 20 people in line because it was like a specialized ca casting, mm -hmm. like hundreds of people uh, waiting for the general role in, in, uh, in advertisement. And I was called uh, to be a part of a, like a specific role, like a ninja thing. Mm -hmm. So they had a, a closed group of people who, who they were calling and they called me. I went there. I just talked to the director and we, we had a good time like talking and, and joking around. A couple of days later, they just called me and they hired me for, for the gig. And uh, it was a big commercial for Sony, for, for the tablet. And I just realized that uh, it's for the main Sony. And uh, the advertisement uh, went worldwide. Uh, I was in the commercial for like a second and a half. Uh -huh. and, and, and they paid me like 5,000 euros for that. Okay. And I spent all those money into Excel's courses. Excel's I did module one and module two. So I was left like with a couple hundreds. Okay. Nice. Yeah, but that was that was the the real beginning, I believe.
where did it go on from there? How did, because what, what was your first then official job after you finished your studies um, in terms of strength and conditioning? Because then you went straight into team sports, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I was working in a physical therapy center, but not as a physical therapist, mm-hmm. but I was working as a physical preparation coach. So they had like two levels in the clinic. Uh, we were laughing that they pushed us down to the basement. All the physical therapies were uh, at the ground floor with mm-hmm. with the wi- with windows and, uh, and fresh air and strength coaches that were pushed down into the basement. Okay. And uh, some of the some of patients, some of uh, their, their their clients, when they were done with physical therapy and they still wanted to continue the process, uh, they were sent down to us and we were doing some some strength training with them and physical preparation. And uh, we we had some good, really good athletes there. Uh, I started to work with uh, volleyball, volleyball players, with hammer throwers, a lot of like track and field athletes uh, over there. Mm-hmm. And that was like a real beginning. And then I went to, to train on my own. I was working for five years as a CrossFit coach because uh, I, I, I mean, I really enjoyed CrossFit training, uh, especially for myself. And I was working with some general population doing uh, CrossFit classes. And uh, on the side, I, I had some, some individual athletes. And like two years ago, I stopped doing the, the group training sessions. I stopped doing CrossFit classes and focused, uh, focused more on, uh, on one-on-one training sessions with, with pro athletes, amateur athletes, and uh, some private clients. Okay. Um, how, how was it you came to be? Because you, you've worked with was it the Polish Golf Association? Of course, like you yeah. said, you've worked with various sports. Like also, like I think you still have a kid uh, or one of the players from the Warsaw Mets, Alex Povar. How do you say his yeah, name? Yeah, Alex Povar. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, but you got him. You also got a couple MMA judo athletes. You got, a, yeah. like, from what I know, one of the top MMA guys in Poland. Was it Damian um, Janikowski? Yeah, yeah Damian Janikowski. Yeah. Yeah. We we used to work for like uh, three three camps, three fight camps. Uh, we do not work anymore together, but uh, it was a good time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah um, so uh, I started to work with golf athletes like a couple years ago. Uh, we, we had a really good junior player who was struggling with some injuries and uh, who was living in Warsaw. Bartek Bibrovic uh, was, uh, was working with some golf athletes in Wrocław. And they and he was working back then with uh, with a national team a little bit as well, and uh, that guy uh, Alejandro Pedritz, uh, who who was a junior golfer, was living in Warsaw and he really needed some strength training, but Bartek was too far away from him, so they called me and I started to work with him and uh, he ended up like being our best junior athlete in in the country, so we worked together for like three or four years I I can't remember right now. And now he's uh, he left to to the U.S. and he's playing for for Texas University, I think, okay. Okay. on uh, his own tuition over there. Um, how how was your time? Because I mean, we we talked about this extensively. So since like the day that I met you and became, I mean, I'd say we were decent friends for the most part. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that later. Um, <laughs> I know you're also with the Lake. Yeah, it's coming. What was that? <laughs> I knew it's coming. <laughs> Talk about that later. Um, because I know you, you, you've had your experience with Legia, Vashava and the basketball team, for example, like time back to previously, we talked about when we kind of first kind of came across our paths. Um, how was your time there? Because I know you've talked to me specifically about it, your time there, how it was basically being in that team sport club 
environment, especially in Poland, where that also leads to other um, other topics as well, because I've been involved in sports, team sports in Poland, and kind of you're talking about, like, first of all, I mean, we already know it's like the pay there is not the best, but also just yeah. more talking about the environment, you coming it into that sucks. scenario, that was. Okay. Payment sucks. <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if we want to talk the, uh, the real thing, the payment sucks over there. Right. Uh, to, to the point that when I was doing the translations for uh, Saturday and Sunday of translating the course, mm -hmm. I was earning more money than for the whole month in uh, working with the team. Okay. And how, yeah. how is the transition from coaching one athlete to now you coach a, a whole team? Because yeah. not everyone's on the same level on a team. Sure. How, how is this set up uh, there for you as a coach? Yeah, so uh, working with with a team uh, was challenging at the beginning. Uh, it was fun, definitely. So uh, there are a couple things that you don't have to care about uh, when you're training a one-on-one -on -one, uh, athlete or a client that are appearing in a team setting. And one of them is a logistic. Uh, when you're training one athlete, you don't care about equipment because uh, usually there is at least one piece of equipment that you can work on. And when I was training with the team, we were struggling when it comes to logistics. Uh, we had some issues at the gym. We didn't have a proper weight room for, for athletes. So at the beginning, I was buying some of the equipment for, for, for athletes to, mm -hmm. to work with. And uh, at, I even... At Legia? Yeah, at Legia. So uh, I even welded a trap bar at the beginning because mm -hmm. I couldn't buy one. Mm -hmm. So I, I downloaded uh, the scheme of a trap bar from one of the websites on the internet and yeah. uh, I asked a friend of mine to weld it for me. Mm -hmm. It was like two, 23 and a half kilos, but it was working. And they were happy that I brought some new equipment to their gym. And uh, I, I can send you a video later from, from that time when we were working in that gym. So half of equipment, they uh, didn't have an atlas to work on. Uh, officially, the gym was closed, so we couldn't use the equipment. Uh, there was like, a, the walls were, I don't know how to call it, uh, crumbling. Like the, mm -hmm. the walls were, yeah, the walls were destroyed. Uh, the, the floor was uneven. Uh, but we did some good work. We played loud music. We, we had fun at the gym. And... Uh, I understood that uh, for, for some of the, those athletes, back then I had the, the oldest team in the league. Some of the players were like almost 40 years old. Okay. For, for most of their, career, of their career, they didn't have a chance to work with a strength coach and they didn't do a lot of strength and conditioning work, if any. Mm -hmm. so imagine that you have like a very advanced athlete who was playing basketball longer than I was living and now I'm coming to the, to the club and I'm telling them what to do. So I quickly noticed that uh, for some of those athletes, we're, I'm not looking for improvement in the gym. I'm looking for, uh, for, something, for something else. I was trying to give them a good time outside of the basketball court, which they were like done with it because they were uh, at the basketball court for most of their lives. So they wanted to have some fun uh we and that was a time when we were building a team spirit in in the gym so uh players were supporting each other we were having fun we were playing good music and they were relaxing after the the basketball session and 
at some at some point if your athlete is jumping like one inch higher or two inches higher it doesn't matter it uh, it matters if they're creating a, a team together on on the court and uh that mattered and uh we won the division so it was a it was a good success like the biggest success for the club uh, for for last 15 years i think so this was first league right yeah, it was a uh, first league, which is not the top league. It's like one below. Right. Yeah, so uh, they, they hired me because they, they had some issues with injuries. I mean, out of 15 players, when I came to the club, only six were able to, to train, not to play, to train. Some of them had like a torn ACLs, fractured patellas and, and spine issues and, and stuff like that. So I was there maybe what's called like a counterbalance for the head coach. So we were we were doing some quality work at at the gym instead of pointless running back and forth on on the court. Well, is there any overall advice you can give for a young conditioning coach, strength and conditioning coach who comes in in a situation like that? Because a lot of yeah. young athletes are want to do this as well, be a strength yeah. and conditioning coach, and come in the situation like you say. I coming in and everyone is everyone can be my dad. How I yeah. get respect? How I get? Is there any overall advice you can give out to the young young coaches out there? Yeah, yeah, sure. I I think first of that is be adaptable, which means that you have to be ready for every situation. For training on Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, for changing your training session quickly, from changing the time of the training session quickly, and uh, adapt to to the needs that you you will uh, you will face while working with the team. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's the most important. I had I had the second one like uh, ten seconds ago, but I forgot about that. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah. So uh, being adaptable is, uh, is a very important thing. I mean, and the biggest one I look at, you already talked about it, and that was a big one you said. It's like, and this is, this is now bringing... Yeah, I got the second one. What is it? Yeah, it's like uh, know, the, know the principles, not the methods. And I think it's, uh, it's really important one. And you can see who knows the principle of, of training instead of famous methods right now with, uh, with the corona stuff. Because uh, what, what you can see is uh, a lot of people are posting videos online with home training sessions. And suddenly they're posting like workout of the day type of thing. When uh, they advise athletes to do, I don't know, 10 minutes of squats uh, and push-ups. I mean, if your athletes really need that kind of a training session, why wouldn't you do that? back when you had the barbell stuff like your athlete for some of your athletes need maximal strength training sessions like alex for example my 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 football guy he needs strength and power he's he's not an endurance guy mm -hmm. so wh wh why should i give him uh, an endurance type of a training sessions and now when you're aware of a principle your your method of barbell training is gone now you have to figure out something else so what can I do in a home environment with that athlete to maintain his maximal strength levels and his power strength and his power levels? So that's that's the thing that young coaches need to learn. That uh, instead of following some methods from from internet, 
they have to be aware of the uh, principle behind that. So just to give you a hint, uh, Alex is doing like uh, yielding and overcoming isometrics at home uh, in contrast with, uh, with plyometric training. I and he, if he can, he's doing sprints at, I was least, about to at least once that. per week. I was about to say that because uh, it's funny because you bring that up. I was going to say like your last post on your Instagram, you talk about isometric training and that people yeah. should be doing that right now at home. And it's not that hard to do because actually one of my receivers was in here, what, two, three days ago. And he's, he's having knee pain and they can't figure out why, first of all. And I'm like, this is interesting. And he's like, yeah, but I need weights. I need weights. And I'm like, no, I don't think you fucking yeah. do. Um, but it's tying into what you're saying where it's like people are posting these home workouts of the day or of the week or this type of shit. And you just said it right. Yeah. Principles as a football player, you are never fucking running a three K a five K. So yeah. what the fuck are we doing? You know, I don't know, 200 fucking reps of pushups a day to like, th there's guys doing this even on our team, for example, I'm like yeah. really honest, you know, cause I'm not the strength coach. Um, and they're doing like 500 pushups a day or that. And it's like, this isn't going to help you. Like, yeah, at some point we do need some sort of resistance training, but right now is a perfect time to do what step away from that and continue to work on what your foundation. Cause like, if you can fucking squat, right. Yeah. You can do some sort of split squat squats. Like you said, if you could do sprints, that's a big thing. Can you do some sort of vertical jumps, broad jumps? I mean, you're going to be fine at the end of the day, especially core work. Everybody's yeah. freaking out saying, Oh, I need weights. I need weights. I need weights. Especially in this time. Like, no, you fucking don't. Yeah, maybe it's a time as well for some athletes to recover well from previous injuries yeah. to improve mobility in, uh, in key areas. Uh, it's time to work on some weaknesses because you, you cannot do the thing that you like to do before. You're forced to do different things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, the workout of the day type of training, it's a good thing for general, general population. Right. I would recommend like doing a lot of different things, but if you're a professional athlete, you should be focusing on improving your performance instead of like sweating your ass off on the, on the couch. And uh, improving performance doesn't mean that you have to do strength training like with with a barbell. Sometimes it means that you like improving. I don't know Achilles stiffness because uh, I'm pretty sure that we're gonna have ramp up if in injuries after corona time is over because people do not realize that they're not on the same level as they were before the corona started and they try they, they'll try to jump on that level quickly all the games will start and some of them will have low volume of work on for example achilles yeah. i think one, one of the coaches i cannot remember who posted that that in 2008, they had a lockdown as well. And there was a big rump in Achilles injuries after that lockdown finished. Because those tendons, they just lost the, the stiffness after all the time. So those athletes, they, they have to be ready to be at least at the same level once everything uh, is on again. That's, and, and that's the biggest concern right now because, for example, what the state is saying is – we just talked about it, right? Um, next week, the 20th? Is that what yeah, they're saying? The they're saying the 20th they're supposed to come, like, the official decision of what's about to happen now, especially with sports. Yep. Like, can we start in small groups? Big groups, first of all, it's not going to happen off the bat because there's no way they're going to go from a fucking lockdown where you can't practice to full yeah. on. But like you're kind of saying right now, there is going to be an issue. First of all, and the big thing we've been kind of talking about is, like, 
what are these guys doing already? Yeah. If you're not doing anything already, and then the second they start opening up facilities and so forth, like you just said, injuries, especially with Achilles issues, yeah. it's going to ramp up. And like, yeah. I don't think people understand this. It's like, of course, and I get it as an athlete. I've been there. They want to get back to it. They want to jump in. Yeah, but, but they have to be aware that they just deloaded all the tendons in their body for yeah. uh, two, three months. Right. It's like a big holiday. And they, they want to jump straight into the, uh, into the competition. And that's not the way you do it. So either, either you start slow after or you work hard right now. So these are two options, in, in my opinion, for professional athletes. And they have to figure out the way or their coaches how to work hard right now to avoid all the, all the, right. all the cool. set stuff that's going to happen. What would you do in your, in your honest opinion um, when teams go back onto the field and it, and it becomes important in terms of, let's say, sprint training, running? Would you limit practice times also as well? They first of all, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trust my athletes. That's the first thing. Because I know some of them will tell me that they worked hard and they were doing the, the running sessions and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they didn't. So uh, it depends. It depends uh, what's going to happen with, with the league and with all the matches and all the competition. If it's going to be full on, which I don't think it's going to be, then, well, it's hard. It's like, you, you, I don't know what, I, what would I do. I would have to talk to, to the head coach. Because I'm not the one who's deciding at some at some points. For, mm -hmm. for sure, I will uh, limit the the volume of the training sessions. Mm -hmm. I'll try to start slowly again with uh, with some stiffness uh, exercises for for the tendons. Mm -hmm. uh, like I'll treat my athletes like we treat them at the at the beginning of the of the season, mm -hmm. like when they're coming from the, from the off season, I mean, not off season from, from the transition period. Mm -hmm. And we're starting slowly with in the, in the off season, uh, I would have to do some, some volume work, maybe lower intensity, maybe some like, uh, aerobic capacity back on and, uh, depends on the sport as well. Right. Not and depends on what the athlete was doing before. Right. Like, and you kind of said it, it all goes, it all goes hand in hand. And like you said, I mean, especially for us where it's for the most part we're having right now on each side of the ball, at least for me on offense, we're having about three meetings, virtual meetings. And like you're kind of tying back before and being a strength coach and then especially the weight room, that's more team building. So my yeah. focus right now is just keeping that team building. Yeah. Having some sort of control of yeah. them for, let's say it could be anywhere from three to maybe five hours a week where I have them team building. Yeah. Right. But the, but the in-gym aspects that maybe some of them are doing or training or running, we have no control right now because, like you said, you can't trust them. Yeah. So at least the team, the team building part, we have a hold of at least for that aspect. I mean, I mean there is a saying like in the former Soviet Union countries, like trust them but control them. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, to some point, you, you have to trust your athletes. I mean, uh, it's, it's your job as well to, to create the – relationship right, the of yes of mutual trust because if you don't trust your athletes like it's going to be pain in the ass to work with them right uh you have to explain them why you don't want them to lie it's not like you're they're constantly on an exam but sometimes when the what they say matters for us when it comes to programming and training session uh, and I would rather have an honest athlete that uh, that the liar because I can I can control the training program a little bit better. Uh, but they know that at some point 
they know that if they're going to lie that they had the hard session before, mm-hmm. they're going to have an easy session right now. So you, you have to listen to them, but to some point you have to do your thing, what yeah. you planned before. Talking about the whole trust, right, and having athletes trust yeah. you because that, that's the number one thing in any sport. Depend, doesn't matter if you're if you're the strength coach, if you're the position coach, if you're the coordinator, if you're the head coach, if you're the physical therapist, if you're the doctor, you need that trust, right? How important is it for you? And now we're going to tie in into your experience training kids and youth because I know it is a hot topic for you and you love it. Yeah. How would you say that also comes into play when you're also dealing now with young athletes? Because now we know too, that's also going to be an interesting factor also after this whole Corona yep. deal. So uh, young, uh, training with young kids and, uh, and, and youth athletes is a little bit different because they not aware, they do not have the, the consciousness of an adult athlete. So, some of them are playing their sport five days, five days per, per week, but they don't know why. They just play it. So uh, earning their trust is something a little bit different than, uh, than earning the trust of an adult athlete. Uh, with an adult athlete, you, you can have a conversation and you can change your training program a lot, like based on how they feel and what they did and, and, and stuff like that, because they, they, un- they understand the process of training. And uh, with, with kids, they do not have that awareness and uh, they just follow the, the program that I made for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do not, I do not negotiate with kids. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel, I feel actually for all this junior coaches, there comes a lot of sayings what I call it always the January effect. In January, everyone say, oh, after Christmas, New Year, I want to go to gym and I want to practice. And two weeks later, nobody gives a shit anymore what I say yeah. about how good I want to be. And that's what I heard right now. Also, all the juniors like, no, no, we will be there. We have to do practice again. But I feel you can't push these kids anymore to the edge. Like, I mean, I'm 33, yeah. like my coaches did with me. You know, we had also three times practice a week. And we just did it. Coach said we're doing it. Let's go push yeah. ourselves to the limit. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a matter of, uh, of respect a little bit. Young, young athletes do not respect respect coaches as much as uh, as we did before and uh, one of the things is that the coach do not have the tools right now that they had like a couple years ago i mean you cannot you cannot hit your athlete you cannot scream at your athlete you you cannot work their ass off like keep them in the gym until midnight you cannot do that anymore Mm -hmm. and uh parents are one of the faults i mean one of the reasons that we cannot do that right now we uh, we want it as a as a society to protect our kids uh, so much that we took away tools from from teachers and i do not mean like strength coaches i mean all the teachers right you cannot like force anything into the kid and it's hard to to teach them a discipline discipline right now yeah i think that's a, that's a it's a huge tough thing uh because uh, yeah, I, ha- I have a one story from, from my judo times when, when I was like 12, I think, or 13. I, I can't remember right now. And uh, we were, so I, I was pretty good when I was younger. 
and me and two of my friends at the same age were invited to the to the junior camp in the, in the Polish mountains with like 15 and 16 year olds so when you're like 12 the guy who has 15 years old is like super old for you and uh, the age difference is uh, is huge back then and uh, we had some hill runs I mean like not hill sprints but we were running in the mountains it was like a con- conditioning run and the snow was probably up to my waist and uh, I had to run with all those all those big guys and I started to cry. I was like, oh, I can't run no more. And, and one, my coach, who was also my, because uh, I was attending the sport class and the judo was a profile of that class. So we were training uh, in the morning before school, two hours. Then we went to school. And after, after school, we had two hours of a judo session as well. So first two hours was more like a general preparation. And uh, in the evening, we were having a, uh, a judo session and that coach was also responsible for 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 our whole class so uh he slowed down and he was starting to to run with me like next to me and it's like what's up mikey it's like oh it's hard it's very hard right it's like yeah yeah and the snow is so deep yeah yeah coach you you can't run no more yeah maybe i can help you i said like yes coach please and he started to kick my butt so hard <laughs> that I was instantly in the middle of the group. Like, and, and you, and you, and he was running next to me, kicking my butt all the time. It's like, go run faster. And you can't do that anymore. No, absolutely. Right, right now it's a, uh, it's a prison time. Oh, 100%. I mean, you can't, I mean, it even comes down to parents as well. I remember growing up, I mean, law basis are kind of part of it, but like, my mom hit me. She didn't physically beat the crap out of me, but like yeah. I knew I did something wrong or it's like, Hey, like, let's go, you know? And I knew like, Oh shit, I got to get going. It also ties back to me, like back in the high school and college, like our coaches, they didn't hit us, but they came at us. They were, you know, they, they motherfuck us. They come yeah. they call you every name in the fucking book. Yeah. And this is sure. one thing that athletes don't understand. And I mean, there's some words out there. They should have called us pussies and bitches yeah. and all that shit. Of course, I don't like doing that with my athletes. But this is the thing, right? We never took it what personally. You knew, shit, I got to kind of pick it up because, you know, if it was in a game, for example, it's like, well, fuck, like, if you keep playing like this, we're going to lose. Do you want to lose? You know, we're going to practice because there has to be a certain level of intensity, and we never took it personally. That's the big thing. You look at it now with these kids, like you're saying, especially what the parents are doing, they take it personally, and it's not personal. Yeah, it's true. It's just like you caring about the athlete. You want to, your athlete to be at, at his best. Yeah. And that's why you, you're screaming at him like that. It's not like, it's not that you don't like him. No, we, we, we all say it all the time. It's like, if I didn't yell at you or say anything, it's probably because I already gave up. Yeah. You so don't you're care lucky about that anything. I'm fucking freaking out right now. Yeah. If your coach is not talking to you, you're in trouble. Yeah. That was, uh, it was an interview from, a, a, I think, the Louisville basketball coach. This interview is like, like legendary already in the internet. When he talks about um, different to high school sports and all that stuff, he was like saying, yeah, we are now in a time, everyone get a trophy for everything. If you finish oh, yeah. first or you finish last. That's fucked up. And, and, <laughs> and he said, yeah, there, there, is, there is in the real life out there, off yeah. the sports, off, there is no second place trophy. Is you get a yeah, trophy that's that's the a good way to raise a pussy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. shit, at the end of the day, I mean, 
this this now ties it back to life like life is hard yeah life is hard and the big thing that i always look at it and i remember to the days that i started playing football for example and when i ran track and and played um played baseball and soccer a little bit of soccer um i always knew when i looked at it i'm like this is fucking nothing like i, I knew the shit that was going on at home just being raised by my mom my dad not being around my mom struggling working three different jobs i'm like that was the real shit and yeah. I always looked at it and I'm like, I saw my mom busting her butt to raise me. And I'm like, a simple, and I, we just talked about a linebacker, or sorry, running back uh, the other day when we had our, our Easter barbecue. It's like, in college, we had these, these hell weeks. Two, three practices a day. It would be 35, 40 degree weather, which is not legal anymore. And we practiced. And I looked at it and I was like, it's never that we felt it was impossible. It was a bitch. But I always thought, shit, my mom's out here busting her butt, like, this is, this is the minimum that I can do and I'm fine, you know? I was yeah. like, this is easy shit. Yeah, it's hot as fuck, but it's only for, what, two hours? Boom, you get back inside, whatever, you know? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's, it's very hard to push push athletes right now, especially in the young, young one. Uh, being a youth coach is a, is a hard thing right now. Oh, absolutely. You know? absolutely. Yeah. How, how do you look at it in terms of because I know up, up to recently, are you still working with, with young athletes or how, what's your approach with that right now? Because I know we kind of talked about it privately. I do. Yeah, I, I, I do. Uh, to be honest, I think it's like 50-50 right now for me. Mm-hmm. I have 50% of, uh, of adult athletes and 50% of them are, are young athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, working with young athletes, it's fun because it can be rewarding because mm-hmm. they're at the beginning of their career. Uh, but it can be a pain in the ass as well. I mean, you need to find a way to motivate your athletes because mm-hmm. they're not paying for the training sessions. They don't know why they're at the training session. So finding something that will keep them training is uh, it's very important. And uh, some 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 athletes are, are fun to work with and mm-hmm. some are not. And uh, if I have an athlete that I cannot find a connection with, I'm just like, not training with them anymore i don't care it's it's my life my energy i don't want to waste it on someone who who's not willing to to put the work in right for example what do you do personally as a strength coach when you're trying to because i know you're going to go through an assessment period and all that what do you kind of look at when you're dealing with a youth athlete to try to connect or what, what do you try to what tools do you try to use to first yeah, see uh, if, to first see if basically they fit your type of personality and standards to train them uh, I don't have like any tasks for that. I mean, I try to talk with them and see where they're going and uh, like what's their interests and uh, what's their personality type. Mm-hmm. And I have to adjust a little bit of mine, uh, my cues, my my way of, of coaching them. Some of them need a really calm person mm-hmm. and some of them need uh, a coach who's very energetic and they're screaming a little bit and, uh, mm-hmm. and pushing them a little bit and, uh, and stuff like that. Uh, I think that the most important thing is just to realize that we're not building a 13-year-old world champion, but we're working with 13-year-old athlete who might be a champion in the future. Mm-hmm. So uh, instead of like trying to beat every record in the gym right now, I try to develop some some training awareness, like uh, like we we talked before when it comes to setup for, for squatting. I know that they're not going to train with me for, for the rest of their career. So I want to, to teach them to be an independent athlete. 
like uh, for, for some, it comes to the point that you have to teach them how to tie a shoe because their mother did this for, for them for the whole time. Mm-hmm. They keep forgetting their gear to the training sessions. And I, and I had a, a talk with, with, with one of my athletes uh, who was low energy in the gym. I mean, he was very calm. It was very hard to, to motivate him. And uh, it was very hard to, to see him exploding in the gym, if, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, he was very hesitant when it comes to trainings. Uh, and when you're working on power and you teach them how to jump and how to throw the med ball, you need maximal intent in the workout. So he has to be a little bit angry mm-hmm. uh, when he's throwing a ball and um, when he's jumping. And I couldn't like wake him up. So I asked him to buy a boxing gloves. Okay. Because he was like a 13-year-old kid. kid. And uh, we started to, to do the boxing sessions, like pad, pad boxing at the, at the beginning of the session as a warm-up. Okay. And, and suddenly it, it worked out because uh, he started to talk more. He started to, to laugh a little bit. He started to be more, more aggressive. And uh, at one training session, he forgot the gloves. And I asked him, like, where are your gloves? And he suddenly turned Brad, he turned to his mother and was like, you forgot my gloves. It's like, no, 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 no. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I forgot the gloves. And I was like, no, 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 just be quiet. I'm talking to your kid. It's like, no, 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 I'll go to the shop and I'll buy a new one. It's like, no, mm-hmm. that's not the reason why I'm asking him. Mm-hmm. It's like, listen, where are your gloves? No, 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 my mother didn't put them in the trunk. I was like, no, 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 no. Is, you, is your mother boxing or you're boxing? I'm like, no, I'm boxing, but she was packing my stuff. And it's like, okay. So this oh, is, these are your gloves. This is your training equipment and you're the one who's training. So from now on, you're the one responsible for the gloves. It's like, no, but I don't have time. Like, what do you mean you don't have time? Yeah. It's like, look, it's like cloth, backpack, put it on, done. If you're not sure if you're going to take them, just don't take them out from the backpack. Keep sure. them in the backpack all the time. And... Uh, and I explained him because he's, uh, he was very good. Uh, he is a very good tennis player. And I explained to him, it's like, there's going to be a time, there's going to be a point in your career that you're going to travel a lot without your mother. And you're going to be responsible for packing your tennis racket, tying your shoe, and bringing everything you need on the, on the court. If you're going to for, forget your tennis racket for, for a game, you're going to be disqualified. That's true. We have that all the time. I mean, especially sending out itineraries and all this stuff for game day stuff, telling guys like the night before, make sure you pack your stuff. This is that, you know, turn it's, it's like typed in bold and red, check your stuff twice. Yeah. We're talking about grown ass fucking men too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I've, I've had some stuff too. I mean, also dealing with the U19 guy that played for me in, in the first league out here back in 2014 in Algoy. Um, he, he was basically old enough to play for us, but basically he was a U19 guy. And I remember there was one game he forgot his cleats. And he told me his mom, his mom packs his bag and she forgot. And I looked at him and I was like, huh? I was like, yeah. your mom packs your fucking bag yeah. and it's her fault. And you're playing first league Germany. I was yeah. like shocked. Oh, I was shocked. You yeah, know, but- luckily, luckily another player had an extra pair of cleats, but even to this day, I was just like, how the fuck does that happen? Yeah. But, uh, now you don't know how to connect with the athlete because 
if my mother would pack my stuff and I didn't have plates on my training session, I wouldn't say my mother didn't pack my stuff. I would say like, <laughs> I forgot my plates. Yeah. I'm sorry, coach. Yeah. I would be so embarrassed. Yeah. I'd be like, my mom packs my stuff. Like, but you see, for, for, for some of them, it's a normal thing. Yeah. 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 And uh, we're dealing with, with more and more athletes like that. But uh, I have I a have couple different young athletes, which are really fun to work. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, they're playing the same sport. They're tennis athletes. And you, you just had a one example of athlete for, for not packing his old stuff. And uh, two other kids who are at the same age are traveling by buses uh, around the city from training session to training session. They they always on time. They're they're ready to work and uh, they train the same sport at the, and they're at the same age. So it's a uh, it's it's a matter of I don't know I don't know raising a kid in the home probably. That that's true. I mean, just one last example. To move on a little bit. I mean, I had a guy that I first started young man now actually. By the time he was 14 years old, and this yeah. is probably the most prepared athlete I've ever had, even even coming to like adults, where yeah. he had everything packed. His stuff was always perfectly packed. He had his mm-hmm. meals, and this kid yeah. had high school. Like he was in school, he would go straight six o'clock in the morning to the gym, work out, school all the stuff in the evening, come to practices, and he would go by by because where he lived was in the mountains basically. So yeah. he would ride his bike like 30 minutes, 20, yeah. 30 minutes into town. Then take the train there to the next city where we were at out here down south of Germany. And then from there, you know, sometimes he had a second bike locked at the train station just to get to the practice facility and back. And he did this shit for years. And of course he's gonna forget stuff here and there that's normal, yeah. but he always had his shit prepared. I don't yeah. think I've ever had anyone else, older, younger, who was like him. And he had the right mindset, like you to kind of talk about, like where you kind of talk about a little bit, where it's like, you know what, this is the type of guy that I can literally he has all the right attributes to make a monster. Kind of how you fucking, yeah. you know, where yeah. it was like, I never had, there was one time he was late and, and I did it to, to kind of joke with him. I was like, oh, you're late. I see how it is. And he's like, no, no, no. Like this yeah. is, it was just to joke with him, you know, but he, he, he felt so bad that he was late like 30 minutes one time. You know, those are the guys you want to have. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the guy that we were talking about last time. I have a, a similar athlete. Oh, that's crazy. We'll see what happens real quick. Yeah, now we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's all what we have with this uh, with this young athletes always. But yeah, for all the guys out there, we hope um, the coach is looking at this. If you're there, um, the coach notice if you um, if you're on time, if mm-hmm. you have your stuff prepared. Right. And all that stuff. Even that's for me the most important thing. Bring food to a away game. I have so many kids every year say, "Oh, we're going on a seven hours away trip, and they're coming in right. with five euros." And uh, yeah, we have a little technology problem, but we try to fix or get. That's fine. He's renting right now. Um, he'll call back in. It's just briefly. Yeah. But like that's kind of one thing we we're talking about with Roby um, the other day, where I was kind of joking with him. Um, and the aspect was, it was kind of like, kind of joking, was like, pack your stuff. At the end of the day, you're going to need, it's preparation at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and that is the aspect where, and this comes down from just a young age, and I kind of mentioned it to it, you know, kind of with the, one of the one guys I had um, back in Alba, where I kind of remember that aspect. And we have it all the time. We have to remind them, and it's normal. We do it, but at some point, all this is going to do what? Kind of like just Michal said, is like, it's going to translate to life. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I say, it's, it's starts with a passport, with a, with a water, with everything. With you, you forgot that how you want to be prepared for big business meeting on one point. You know, this is it's all that uh, all that stuff. Yeah. And and going into that topic, I mean, we have a lot of guys out there listening, especially some young athletes that they say, oh, they want to go play in the states, they want to go play D one, they want to go through that true professional route and journey into the states and CFL, and it's like. You know what's going to fucking happen if you forget something, especially when you're at college? Like, we would have to pack our own shit too, right? In some schools, you, you, you get the opportunity where they pack your shit for you, but for the most part, you got to pack your shit. So if you forget something, like, that, that's maybe your one shot. Yeah, I, I always go that high. I always say, you want to come to this point, you have to be perfect already. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really say, I want to go to the States, so, man, we have five times, four times practice a week and you forget every time your shoes. I mean, how you want to, I want to survive 9,000 miles away from home. You know, I mean, tough. there's so many other things. Like, nobody gives a shit what you do if you're there or not. So that's what I say. You would not go to Alabama or Ohio State to really carry everything for you. You have to live like an adult with 16, 17, 9,000 miles away from home. That's what, uh, that's what I always say. And I say, I wish everyone, you, you get this chance, but you need to be prepared and you need to be ready for it. And when you look at the guys who made it now to the States over there, um, there are guys that are always prepared. They always have everything, everything with on practice, on time, on game day. You know, and when you look to the guys who are just talking, I'm that good, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's why you're still here with 28. That's true. And then, I mean, especially for the guys that look at, that look at the young athletes where they talk about, oh, like they, they want to end up being professional and stuff like that. Well, look at the greats. What do they talk about? Being prepared and all that, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, I think Mikhail is back with us. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. Yes, you're uh, back. We, we, we just went on and we're talking about preparation in terms of how, you know, also tying to the, to the fact where we get a lot of these guys that want to go play in the States. And if somehow that pops up in the States where you have an issue being prepared, simple thing, right? Even bringing your fucking mouthpiece. Yeah. You know, like coaches, I mean, that may be the one shot that coach gives you. After that, he's like, fuck this. The kid doesn't want it. I'm going to give a shot to the next kid. You know, yeah, because you have, you, you have a lot of athletes and you can just like pick and choose. Right. And that's one topic okay. we're going to have tomorrow because uh, it's one actually one of my buddies who he basically he is regarded as the ambassador to, to um, European football now where he's sending guys D1 from Europe. But this is a funny thing. And I work with him directly at these camps and trying to find guys and find the right guys too, not just talent, where yeah. we go through a sort of like evaluation to make sure these guys are the guys prepared to basically, let's say yeah. – put them out there for these D1 teams because we're not going to put out a guy where we know off the bat, like he doesn't prepare well. He's always late. He's lazy. Like, that's a, that's if, even if that guy is very talented and uh, he, he might be a cancer for the team because uh, usually that type of a guy who's not preparing, he's not willing, who's not willing to put the work in, he's going to demotivate the rest of the team. Right. So even though if he's a high-level player, sometimes it's better not to have him in, in the team. And that it comes back to the, to the one of the rules that uh, All Blacks incorporated in their team environment, which, is, which goes like, not digs allowed. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not dig, dig heads allowed, I'm sorry. Uh, I messed it, messed it up. 
Uh, I'm not sure if you read uh, Legacy by John Kerr. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of the rules in, in that book. Uh, they, they were struggling. They had good players, but they didn't have a chemistry in the team. And uh, they decided to re- rebuild everything. And uh, they were hiring people based on, on their attitude a lot. I mean, you, you look at sports now and age, yeah. to be honest, like, like you just said, right? There's a ton of athletes out there. And it doesn't matter if it's in the States or out here when you're talking about now at a, at a true professional level. Yeah. Um, for the most part, right? This is for the most part talking. You are already being looked at because you are talented enough to play at that level. Yeah. Now coaches want to see what the, the intangibles. Are yeah. you late? Are you on time? Are you going to give that sec- second effort? Are you a leader? You know, do you have integrity? Are you honest? That's what they look at now. And people don't understand that. Like, there's a reason why they're looking at you. They, there's a reason why they've looked at the tape. They've talked to your coaches because they know you can play. Now they're looking at what? Do you fit their puzzle on their team? Yeah, true. True. It's a little bit different, uh, of course, for, uh, for coaches who are working with teams and uh, individual athletes because some traits that are uh, – in high demand in the individual sports might be a problem when it comes to team team setting and and, and vice versa and uh, I think it's it's really important to understand uh, at what sport are you working in yeah and going and going back to that athlete uh, uh, I just told you like I had the judo judo fighter right six, 66 kilos and he was like 16 years old and bench pressing 120 kilos squatting 150 doing like number of repetitions of pull-ups and uh, rope climbing legless and, and and crazy things like he was he was very fit and that was that kind of an athlete that he was always on time and uh, when I said okay now let's do 1,000 push-ups he would just go down on the floor and do it without without questioning the, yeah. the workout and uh, that's another problem because you know that you can push that athlete to the limits Mm-hmm. And you have to be aware of that limit because he will do everything you ask him right. to do. And now it's your responsibility as a coach to, to slow down a little bit. I know it's like, it's that kind of an athlete. It's like a new toy. Mm-hmm. You want to play around with that. Right. But it's, it's very easy to destroy it. And uh, he was very, very disciplined as well. Like to the, it's a, it's an extreme, like a extreme level of, uh, of discipline. Uh, because his father was a, a former or still working in a, in a special special forces. So uh, he was opening his suitcase in front of other kids when they were going for a camp. And if anything was out of order, he was throwing all the clothes on the floor and asking him to, to restock the really? t-shirts. Okay. Like, and like constantly, time after time after time, un- until everything was perfectly in the suitcase okay. and uh that kind of a mentality allowed him to to be the, at the very top right now we'll see how it goes uh because he's he's a little bit prone to injury and judo is not the easiest sport so uh uh as a 15 year old he had an acl tear okay. and that was like like not not non-contact because uh one of the guys would just bang him straight on the on the knee and he ended up in the weird position and two bodies colliding at, at the same time and the ACL were gone. I believe because I was uh, working with him before and after a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, I believe that they messed up the, the surgery surgery a little bit 
because he was struggling to regain the, the full extension in the knee. He okay. was struggling to, to regain the, the strength in the, in the hamstrings in that leg and, and stuff like that. Even though we went back to the previous strength levels for bilateral exercises, uh, he, he had some deficits in, the, in that leg. But he had the two-year layoff from, from the judo, from, I mean, from, okay. from the competition. Uh-huh. And uh, he went back for the for the national championship, and uh, he won bronze medal, I think, okay. in, uh, in the higher age division, which is like for for guys two and three years older. After not doing judo at all for 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 two yeah. years. That's impressive, actually, to to come back from something like that and still play top three. Yeah, it's 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 very impressive because judo, even though it's very physical, it's really based on the on a good timing. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you need to have the, that feeling, we call it a feeling mm-hmm. of, a, of, a, of a fight. Because you have a split of a second to, to do a certain move. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just hitting a wall. If, if you're finding another strong guy uh, who's standing uh, on his feet, he, he'll not give up easily. It's, right. it's not so easy to throw him over your shoulder or trip him or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, you need to have that timing. And when you're not doing judo for a lot of time, the first thing is gone. It's the timing. You're just like always half of a second too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a, it was a good, good success for him. That's great. Yeah, but, yeah but he's a similar uh, mentality type to your guy. Okay. Um, tying in now, I mean, because I also know that, I mean, this is what I know and I've seen you do. Like you also work as a tutor, lecturer, and also translator, a lot of translating yeah. seminars out there on workshops in Poland, for example, also for the Strength Conditioning Association. Yeah, there was a time that I did most of that. Right. Um, was there a reason why you got into that? Was it to give back and help build? Because I know you're a guy where it's like, like you said, you want to help out coaches around you. And yeah. also like talk about how in the university system, um, they didn't have a real faculty for strength and conditioning because this is my opinion, right? And I already told yeah. a coach about it and a lot of people know me coming from, from my strength and conditioning aspect and background, especially out here in Germany and in Europe, from what I've seen, okay, the coaches, the strength coaches in Poland are some of the smartest that I've been around even in, in Germany. Because in Germany, there's not a lot of strength coaches just as a whole that I've seen and knowledge-wise in, in Poland. Because yeah. Poland has a legit strength and conditioning association. Where in Germany, yeah. they don't, you know. And, and you don't get these real – strength coach names coming out here to do workshops, to do clinics, especially at the convention where you're at every year, you know, and that, that's what is big for me. And I'm wondering, first of all, what made you go about helping build that? And what is also your kind of, what's your opinion in terms of that looking at Europe as a whole? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how I got into translating courses. I, I mean, I don't remember right now. I think it started with, with CrossFit courses. Mm-hmm. Because uh, uh, I was working in the gym, I'm still working at that at that gym, who was hosting CrossFit courses for uh, for Poland. I mean, uh, all CrossFit courses were done in uh, in our gym. I mean, in in the gym that I work in yeah. right now. Yeah. And I was there. Mordor gym, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Cross. It's called CrossFit Mokotów. Yeah. And uh, a friend of mine is an owner, and. They gave me an opportunity to translate that course, and I became the translator for for those courses. I did like, I, th- I think at least thirty of these mm-hmm. uh, in uh, 
in a period of like four or five years mm -hmm. and because I was doing a lot of CrossFit translations uh, when they started to invite coaches uh, from other countries for to do the workshop and uh, to to run the lecture at the, at the conference I wasn't meant to uh, to go on I mean I'm not a professional translator but I can speak some English not not uh, not the perfect one but I I understand what they're saying and I know the field and I know the topic mm -hmm. so sometimes even though I cannot translate something directly I know what they they're talking about and I can explain to to other coaches uh, what what they were saying so it started like that I'm glad that right now we have at least three or four other coaches who, who are able to translate uh, those workshops mm -hmm. because for me it means that I did a good job and uh, uh, of spreading the knowledge and right now there are other people who are willing to do the same thing and uh, it means that some of those coaches will have a, a free course as well because you have to remember that if you're translating you don't have to pay for, for the course uh, which means that if there's a, a good course that I translated already like two or three times and there's a friend of mine who wants to translate and he was not attending that course, I'll give it away to him. Right. So he can get the knowledge from the course and he can gain experience in translating. And uh, yeah, that's, that's how it started. And then I was helping a lot uh, Bart with, uh, right. with the conference, with all the translations. Back then, I think I did like most of that. Uh, we didn't have uh, a lot of foreigners doing the lectures mm -hmm. uh, during the first first uh, conferences, but right now we have a very good lineup every year. Right, and, uh, it's a lot of translation and it's very tiring. So we have uh, four or five translators working, uh, alternating uh, with translations. No, definitely. I mean, and what 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 have you looked at every year? in terms of the quality of strength and conditioning coaches in Poland? Because, I mean, of course, first of all, yeah. just looking at the aspect where strength coaches do not make a lot of money, and people don't understand this, like strength yeah. coaches don't make a lot of money in Poland, but just seeing the quality of knowledge that they possess is very yeah. impressive in Poland. Yeah. Uh, problem with strength and conditioning is that in each country, you have very, very limited amount of uh, well-paid positions, usually like two or three uh that you want to work in uh in poland we, yeah we we have like maybe three five uh well-paid positions for strength and conditioning coaches and a lot of newcoming strength and conditioning coaches so uh that's that's the big the, that's a big problem however a lot of guys here are doing a very good job of not working in a team setting but working individually with, mm -hmm. with athletes, we have to remember that we have runners, we have tennis players, we have golfers. We have athletes from other, other disciplines who are uh, not able to train with a strength and conditioning coach in their club. So they're looking for a specialist outside a little bit. And that's a, that's a big part of the market. Uh, I think not only in Poland, but in other countries in Europe as well. Because we have to remember that uh, we have limited amount of teams in the country and usually there are like two or three sports that are on the top level in that country and only like two or three probably clubs 
in each sport. So I don't know, you have like 10, I don't know, 10 good positions, for example. How many good positions for a strength coach you, you, you have in, in Germany? I, I mean, you have a, a little bit bigger uh, amount because you have a very good soccer league. Mm-hmm. But probably in that soccer league, you still have like five teams that you want to work in. 100%. I mean, it also depends on the type of position. I know, like, for example, buddies of mine that have worked and still work at Bayern Munich, for example, like, yeah. you do basically have strength coaches for every team, but then, like, every specific team that they have, even down yeah. with youth, but then it depends, are you full-time, are you part-time, are you just 10 yeah. hours a week? Because there's a thing they call, like, mini-job, where it's, yeah. like, 40 hours a month. For the most, that's what it is, and you're supposed to get paid. You can't get more than 450 euros, otherwise, it then it brings in taxes and stuff like that. So it's tax. Yeah, I got it. And and I have like some buddies of mine too that did that before and still do it, where they're for the youth. But because it's a thing, right? Teams like that who have the money to have you at least part time, right? Yeah. You at least need a, a really good strength coach who spends a lot of time. That they're only giving them like maybe a session, maybe two a week with young yeah. athletes. Which is funny when you look at a team like Bayern Munich and they have money to afford yeah. to bring on maybe full time or part time guys for the youth kids, but they don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they do it, but maybe they they just want to buy already made player instead of raising one. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. You're not getting rich when you spend all the money, you know, on one yeah. point. It's. It's a business for them as well. So, and I know that I can use the name that know, hey, if you work for us, however our contract is, you get somewhere else job. So it's a thing of the big, of the big clubs there that are probably doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy working in the team setting, but I'm not sure I'm coming back to the team setting anytime mm-hmm. soon. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big sacrifice. You have to travel a lot. And uh, they can suck you like in a minute. Like it, the biggest problem with uh, with working for a top team is that everything changes there quickly. Like you can do a very good job, but they're gonna fire your head coach after three months because he lost two games, and you're gone because the new new head coach has his own strength and conditioning coach, and. That's an environment I don't want to be working in because it's very, very unstable. And uh, it's good when you're young or you're traveling when you're, when you're uh, with, with your head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to travel, you're, I don't know, you're single and, and, and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, and that instability is something that I'm not looking for in, when it comes to, to working. That, that is the big thing that not, not a lot of coaches, and it comes down to strength coaches and also like other coaches in our field as well. It's, uh, we always say it, it's like you, you got to prepare to put your house on wheels literally because you don't know yeah. if, like you just said, especially in the soccer world, yeah, true. Okay, where it's like you never know, but let's say maybe it's in two, three games or in a month where it's like, hey, bye, everybody's gone. And like you said, people don't understand, like there is no, at the end of the day, there is no loyalty to you. Yeah. At the end of the day, you are an employee. Okay. And they easily can look at what they're, they're getting resumes all the time from people trying to apply to get in. Yes. So just like that, you can be replaced. Yeah. And that's what happened to me when I was working in the, in the basketball, we, we won the promotion to the top league and uh, 
they didn't want to keep their old guys, those mm-hmm. guys who who sacrificed a lot of energy and a mm-hmm. lot of time to to build the winning team. Uh, we knew the team because most of us were working uh, with that team and with that club for at least like three, four years. Mm-hmm. So we knew the procedures, we knew, knew the stuff and, and things like that. We, we just were expecting a little raise because we were playing in the higher division. So mm-hmm. the club was earning more money and uh, we were working with more expensive athletes and then stuff like that. Uh, I just said to them that uh, right now we're playing at the very professional level when it comes to basketball in Poland and I want you to treat me as a professional. I have to work with athletes on a daily basis. I have to be available for, for, for athletes on a daily basis, not only for train, team training sessions, uh, but also when somebody needs uh, one-on-one or additional training session. If somebody's injured, I have to be there, work with them after, after regular training session and things like that. And they said they cannot provide me with that. They, they can give me the same amount of money and they're expecting that I'll be at the club like two or three days per week only and i say okay so when we have uh i'm gonna be on thursday morning session then you have thursday evening friday morning friday evening saturday morning sunday game monday morning monday evening and i will be coming on tuesday morning again so i just missed eight training sessions Mm -hmm. a lot of things can happen in eight, eight training sessions so I said, okay, I can be there like two or three times per day, but then I need a month holiday in January because I want to, to go for holidays. So, oh, no, 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 you're going to miss too many training sessions. So like, I'm going to miss eight, the same amount that I'm going to miss between yeah. uh, Tuesday and, uh, and uh, Thursday and Tuesday. I said, no, 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 we can agree to that. It's like, okay, so see ya. Yeah, because it's... The sports world is is tough out there to to make it uh, uh, professional. professional. Yeah, look, look look what happened now. Some of athletes were promised the, the money until the end of the season, and suddenly the season ended in January, and they were cut off. Yeah, a, a so lot of now, that. now they either they're gonna agree do, uh, sign some agreement with the club, or they're gonna sue the club. I don't know the details, but I'm pretty sure it's gonna end up either either way. It is. It's it's a crazy situation right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how much is how much does an average strength coach make in Poland? Like when you're uh, working like in a club setting, because I know uh, a lot of people understand. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's a big difference between every single club. The the best paid position I think was when it comes to basketball I think was around 15,000 slotters a month would, yeah 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 a month which would be like three four thousand mm-hmm. dollars something something like that that mm-hmm. uh, I know coaches who are working for uh, for 200 300 euros or some of them are even working for free we, that's that's yeah. crazy because I remember we, we we talked a few times. What was it the other deal? I think you also said like the other hard part is, and it's kind of the deal where we kind of when we talk about sports out here, especially in Europe, um, where you're saying like they would also ask you to like do do the warm up at games, but then you don't have to be at games, but it's like you're doing it for free. It was something like that we talked about? 
back in the day? Uh, oh, shit. I, I don't remember. But, uh, yeah, sometimes they, they, they require. Game days? Did you have to mm-hmm. be on game days? Sorry. Once again. Did you have to be there on game days or how was that set up? Yeah, I, I talked with them and I said that, okay, uh, I'm, I'm having courses mm-hmm. uh, often back then. Uh, I was translating or I was assisting the course and stuff like that. And uh, it was my like second or actually the third job, mm-hmm. which happened on the, on the weekend. And we came to an agreement that I'll be present at the home games, but I don't have to travel for, for away games, okay. uh, which, which didn't mean that my coach was not mad about that. Uh, every time he had a chance, he, he mentioned that I'm not a part of the team because I'm not traveling with, with the team. Of course, it was uh, a joke a little bit, but he poked me like from time yeah, to time. You are, of course. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, I, really... I, I don't even give, give a fuck about that. <laughs> I, I, I literally told him that on Saturday, Sunday, I'm earning more money than you're paying me for a whole month. Well, and that was the end of the discussion. Yeah. Like, well, it's like, what, what are you expecting to do? Like, um, like at the end of the day, it's like, well, this is how I pay my bills. Otherwise, unless you guys give me more money, then I could be here. Otherwise, I mean, it's such it's it's such an easy decision for me, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I told him, and uh, he fully understood that. So, yeah. um, what yeah, is but, the yeah. what is? I mean, have you heard anything this year from the the strength and conditioning um, convention? Is it going to happen, or you guys don't know yet? Uh, I have no idea. Bart is the one to ask, so I have nothing to do with uh, with the organization. I'm just helping them with the with the translation right now. So and then the and then the the late night events. Oh yeah, I'm responsible for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a different story. That's a different story, exactly. Not yeah, they huh? They put me on the landmine, as I call it. They put you on a landmine. Yeah, with the trans- uh, with the morning translation on Sunday. Uh, you want to talk about that or no? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. So. so what happened? Well, this yeah. was uh, not this last year. This was 2018. Yeah, because you were not that present at the last one. No, I couldn't make it. Yeah, no, you were scared. I was in France coaching. We <laughs> <laughs> we had preseason games with the kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all know the story. Like, you were too scared to come to Poland again. Exactly, I was scared. Yeah, so uh, for for everyone else, the the story is that uh, I was working in 2018 as a translator for for the conference, <laughs> and I set up my schedule the way that I was working only on Saturday, so I can spend uh, Saturday social with with fellow coaches and uh, be more relaxed on Sunday, <laughs> rest a little bit before the travel and, and stuff like that. So I ended up. At drinking uh, Polish vodka on on the bench in the in the hotel with uh, co-host Mele, and uh, <laughs> it like we, until like three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, three or four, something like that. Actually, this is the thing, right? Bart. So, so for people who don't know, Bart is the president of the Strength Conditioning Association in Poland. Yeah, he invited me to come out. And we had a dinner, even like on the Friday when I arrived. It was like you. It was uh, yeah, Ron McCaffrey. Yeah, Ron McCaffrey was there. Dan Baker. Um, yeah, Brett was there from Team China. Um, what's his name again? Also, um, Greg there. Greg was also there. I think. And I forgot who else. I think mm-hmm. that was it, right? Yeah, I don't and, remember. Anyhow, it was at some point because there was like the, the the evening little cocktail deal, whatever you want to call it. And at some point, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to sleep because you know Dan Baker was already in his Dan Baker 
um, mode. And I don't think he remembers our whole conversation too at some point. Yeah. Anyhow, I tell Bart, I'm like, hey, I appreciate everything. I'm going to go up to my room right now. Well, sorry, I, I, had, a, I had an apartment in town. Um, and he goes, no, you're not leaving. And I'm like, he's like, no, we're drinking. And I was like, what? He's like, no, no, no. And then it just, it basically escalated. And what, it was like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. We're sitting in the lobby yeah. of the hotel. Yeah, it was, it was on Saturday. Yeah. It was on Saturday. They well, the, the, down the, the, the dinner was on Friday. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, dinner was on Friday. Yeah. yeah, and we were uh, we were sitting in the restaurant at the at the venue yeah uh, and they kicked us out i think after 1 1 a.m uh from from the restaurant because they were closing down and right so suddenly the lady came with a fresh bottle of vodka and told us that somebody left that <laughs> <laughs> so uh we were responsible for the bottle and uh, we ended up drinking that until like three or four Whoa. i woke up i don't know i woke up in my clothes in my room at <laughs> Eight, I think eight fifty or something like that. Like suddenly, I don't know why. I didn't have a alarm set on my on my phone. I just woke up like that, and I decided, okay. So my plan is, I'll go downstairs to the conference venue. I'll see, because it's in, in the same building. Right. I'll see what's going on. I'll eat the breakfast and I'll go back to sleep. I just brush brush my teeth and went <laughs> went down to the to the conference room. And the first lecture was uh, Rhett Larson and uh, and Greg Dow, uh, yeah, two uh, English-speaking uh, presenters. And suddenly Bart is approaching me with a microphone, and he's putting me the the headset like the the head microphone on, and he's like, "Mike, we have a problem. Our translator cannot come." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, good joke." <laughs> no, 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 no. You have to translate, and I I was like opening my mouth to say that I'm not going to do it. And suddenly Red Larson's like, hey, hello, everyone. Welcome to the conference. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, was, I think it started like at nine. So, and I remember I got to like at nine. nine. Yeah. And you and saw me. And, in, and, I, and I see you standing there like because it was, it was it, at the venue. There's like a, they did a visit the, the basketball yeah. uh, practice facility area. Yeah, yeah. And I walk in and I see you standing there holding a bottle of water. And I'm like, Oh, this isn't good. <laughs> yeah, it was not good. Uh, I had a hard time focusing. So imagine a simple sentence. And by the end of the sentence, I didn't remember the beginning. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was still drunk. So, uh... Wow. But you, you did an amazing job. What was funny yeah. was... How can I... you tell? You're not huh? speaking Polish, so how do you know? It's okay. No, I mean, everybody understood probably. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody was leaving the room. Yeah, so. yeah. It was fine. But um, what was it? Um, I think right after that, was it? What was it? I think it was Greg. Greg was the one. Greg and Dan. Oh, no. Dan wasn't even there because Dan was still asleep in his room. Yeah. He missed like the first presentation, at least first or two. He, he slept yeah. in, right? And then yes. I remember right after that, we went like Greg, want, Greg and Rhett wanted to go to the bar. And then Greg started ordering more beer and, and whiskey. At, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I was just like, "Oh Jesus!" Yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's how you deal with the hangover. You just drink more hangover. beers. No, but yeah, I mean, yeah. If you want to work in the team setting in Poland, uh, drinking is uh with with head coaches a part of a thing. So the head coaches, yeah, yeah. For all the young coaches, that's the advice: start start building your your workload early. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's also the other deal where it's like you kind of talk to young coaches and it's like, 
at the end of the day, if you kind of want to try to work your way and get good relationships, um, and even, I mean, we even have this in the, in the, in the American football coaches clinics, like there's some, there's some top coaches where when they go to the clinics, they're like, they're like, we're here to not, let's say not like get blackout or super drunk, but like they're here to relax, have fun because they said like during the season and even yeah, yeah. back at home with the wives, they're like, we don't get to do this. So they're like, like, man, like you're having this beer with me right now. And it's like, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's an important part of, of uh, building a relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you, you have to or you have to drink until, until you pass out, but uh, it's just all about having good time and, uh, and talking like freely no, with, you, you, with you each other. You see that all over, even like when it comes down to business meetings. I mean, you look at it and there's a reason why, you know, when there's like business meetings and men go out to have dinner and have a couple of drinks before they yeah. maybe close the deal. Like it's all about seeing like, can we work together? Do we yeah. click? You know, yeah. it's the same deal. Yeah. But you, you, you have to know the, the limits. Yeah. So uh, you don't want to be the one who's running around other coaches puking on their shoes so uh <laughs> that's of course the limit yeah yeah <laughs> that's the limit just before yeah. there yeah so uh i believe that you can have fun uh, to the moment that you're still able to show up and perform the next day no matter what like you can be hanging over or you you can be still drunk and uh if it doesn't like decline your performance right. i'm not sure if that's the right word if it doesn't like make your performance worse, right. it's, it's still okay. I mean, it's kind of like when I tell some of my players, or we have that in college too, our coaches say, to be honest, like, we don't care if you go out, but you guys better be there at six o'clock in the morning, ready to go. Because yeah. they said, if you guys can go out and have fun, then you guys yeah. can wake up and get the job done. Yes, and, and perform on the, on the same yeah. level as you usually do. It's like, shit, I don't care. So if the workouts are really want, but as long as you're not missing trainings and you're fine, they're like, I don't care. Yeah, which is impossible to like to combine like going out and, and performing no. on a high level. So that's the thing they have to understand. Especially when you're older, you know. Yeah. And then and then you drink two beers and you're like, well, this is way too much. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm having a rough week now. Um, yeah. What do you? What is your thought process now? You know, because I mean, you're 31. I thought you were like 45. Um, but you know, you're 31 now. Like, because like you said, like you said, you don't think you're gonna go back into the team sports aspect of it. You're still gonna want to keep doing on a personal basis. And are you also thinking about maybe? Because this is what I think. I think you would be perfect to also at some point go teach at the university level. You know, in some sort of strength conditioning, um, like major, for example, in faculty. Yeah, maybe, but they're not paying money at all. So Bro. yeah, university. I think it's uh, paying less money than the club. So uh, what the hell is that bad? Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, but uh, you can do that at the, when when you have everything else set up. You have a you have a good income, and you can you can sacrifice some of your time to to work with with other guys like with, with university or with the team or whatever it is, we're not paying you the money. But at the, at the end of the day, you, you have to pay your bills. So yeah. there is a priority right now. And uh, priority, I think a lot of coaches are shy to tell about that or not willing to tell about that. And they're talking about the struggle and, and so on, that they're not doing the job for money. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the time, it's all, uh, the, of the day, it's all about the money. 
and uh, and I'm not mean like the the cash and the papers because money is time. You're basically trading your time, and and you want to increase your value as much as you can. So uh, for a one hour of my time, I can buy uh, five hours of someone else's time. Mm-hmm. If I need to do the renovation of my flat, I can do it by myself. But I can work with athletes for one hour, and uh, that will pay the full day of of, of work and in. Uh, at my home. So right now I try to focus of, uh, on increasing my value. Uh, I'm still working with as many athletes as I can from, mm-hmm. from different disciplines. Uh, it's hard right now to focus only on one discipline. And uh, I'm not sure if it's only in Poland or in other countries as well. Uh, and I don't want to be so specialized in one of that because it's always fun. It's always challenging that you're uh, then the athlete from from different uh, sport is coming, and you have to adjust your your thinking, your uh, your programming, your exercises, and, and and stuff like that. Instead of like copying, pasting the the same kind of a template for for every athlete, because you have the I don't know fifty three soccer players who are playing on the same position, mm-hmm. so the program doesn't have to be that much different for them. Of course, there will be some some tweaks. And, and at the end of the day, like you said, it's like, it's about self-growth, right? And if you're right. able now, I mean, I remember for me, the first time, I, first of all, I was dealing with American football players, and then I started getting soccer, then I got some ice hockey, yeah. you know, and, and then I got some, some formula race car driving. I mean, yeah. that's now, and I look at it too as a strength coach, um, where, and it's the thing, I knew off the bat, I'm like, I'm not ready to train this person just per right. se. Like, I, I have an idea what I can do. So what would I do? I would reach out of my bubble to people that I knew and say, hey, I got this athlete. I know that. Yep. For same, one of my buddies, he was already working with, with race car drivers. I'd say, hey, what do you think? Or you work with ice hockey. What do you think? What do you, what do, you do? Because yep. that's where I would reach out and say, I, I, I knew off the bat, I'm like, I don't know if so I need to ask somebody to kind of see what, what is their perspective on this given yeah. athlete. Sport. Yeah, you do the research first. Yeah. Like, I thought I didn't look at it. Or... And like you said, I loved it because – it helps you grow. And like I said, ultimately it's going to bring more value to you because now you have what a plethora of athletes you've already worked with. Yes. True. Yeah. True. I have a wide range of athletes from, from old Olympic level athletes to, to young kids from, uh, I, I had a race car driver as well, not the formula one driver, but, mm-hmm. uh, he was like on the, on the Paris Dakar rally type of, uh, of a driver. Yeah. Uh, I have some golf athletes, tennis players, basketball players, uh, track and field athletes. I have a soccer referee who I'm working with, and that. Mm-hmm, right. yeah, there are there are many different type of athletes and different different personalities, different demands, and uh, it's challenging my 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 thought process and my my programming right now. But uh, yeah, I think I'll I'll try to work with as many golf athletes as I can. However, Poland is not uh, not very good country to train golf because we don't have a good season for that. Yeah. Uh, so the time that you can you can train golf is limited and we still do not are not producing high level athletes because of that. Uh, but yeah I, I enjoy working with, with golf athletes. And that's a it's a fun thing. And as I said, like at the end of the day, like I look at it and I always looked at it as being, it's fun, you know, because it's like you get excited for it because at some point, if you're always working the same sport, it gets what? It gets monotonous. Yes, sure. You know, and and, and season after season, it looks almost the same. 
Like, and, and we as humans, we are what we tend to be like that. Like we're at least for the most part, a lot of people, you want to have that new stimulus, you yeah. know, kind of like that new adaptation. Especially, yeah, especially, I think I think it depends also on the personality right. because some some people really are really seeking for for that adaptations for for uh, for that new uh, new stimulus, mm -hmm. and some of uh, some of people wants to have a constant stability levels and uh, they're not willing to ch ch change everything right. every year and and stuff like that. They want everything the same, right. and I'm not I'm not that person. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely also not the same because even like right now, it's just been coaching ball. That's where I had to stop basically training athletes because at some point it's like you're coaching football full time. You got to make a decision. Yeah. Um, I, I, like, especially in the off season, that's where I look at it, where I miss it, where at least just training is given athlete that it distracts me. It's like, it's like a refresher, you know, it gets my mind because if you like, let's say football season is eight months long, you're doing football every single day. You need kind of like that that getaway at some point. Yep. Otherwise, you're gonna get a burnout. You're gonna go fucking crazy. You yeah, know? yeah, and so and it's very easy to to create the scheme and then just follow the scheme, because uh, our brain tends to create the the scheme so it doesn't have to work that hard. So he doesn't have to analyze everything from from the very beginning so he's he's looking for some similarities and uh, if you're not aware of that, you're gonna end up like not progressing with your coaching programming and, and things like that uh they even described that that the phenomenon uh when it comes to to songwriting mm -hmm. they have an algorithm who's uh, uh which is analyzing the, the the song and is predicting if that song is going to be popular or not based on the other songs so one one of the song is uh black eyed peas Heya. Mm -hmm. do, do you know that one yeah yeah, so it became a hit, but uh, they put it into the into the program, and the the program said that it's gonna be a hit. They played it on the radio, but it didn't just like work out. At the beginning, that the song was was not was not a hit. Mm -hmm. People didn't like the song, and they started to think why that song was not a hit because it was so different than every other song that was on the market. And it was challenging on the brain for, for people to listen to that song. So what they did is they did the sandwich. They used two very popular songs on that time. And they always played it on the radio before and after Heya. Okay. So your, your brain uh, realized that Heya between those two songs is something nice because you already like those two songs. And suddenly it went up. It was out of the scheme that mm -hmm. you were used to. Right. when it comes to, to, to songs. And uh, yeah, so when you're working in the same sport, you have to evolve constantly. You kind of like... Especially like you said, at the end of the day, where at the end of the day, it is a business where you have to at some point, like any type of job, you have to find a way to pay your bills, right? So yeah. you have to constantly be growing because if you want to somehow stay relevant in a business that is what? Constantly changing, literally month to month. You know, when you yeah. look out there, especially what people are putting out there, like every month there's articles coming out. Um, people are putting out research papers. I think you're doing that too, right? What am I doing? Like writing research, research papers? papers? Right. Writing? No, not, not, no, not that much. I, I wrote like one or two. That's a lot. Uh, yeah. I, I wrote one for ASCA when okay. I was doing, uh, completing my ASCA level two uh, strength coach. Uh, and 
writing an article or a research paper was uh, was one of the requests uh, requests requirements requirement. to, to yeah to complete the uh, the level two so that's the one I wrote but I'm not a I'm not a fan of the I'm not a fan of writing research papers I read them but it's not my thing okay. I rather put my hands on on, on some athletes and, and work with them like physically one 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 right i got you yeah but but research is uh is important but some some people are better at writing research and some people are not and i'm not the guy who's good at writing research i was never interested in, in doing that but you know right um one last thing before we go and we'll let you go because you know you probably have a, a a lot of things to do on this easter monday maybe eat some more um, yes if you give <laughs> If you were to give advice to a young strength coach, upcoming strength coach, and to yeah. give you anything in terms of what, what, uh, what certifications, workshops to do out there, since kind of like we're talking about already, there's a lack in the field when you're coming up through the university system to basically yeah. like like adequately prepare you to work at yeah. that at that level. What would you kind of advise a, an up and coming strength coach if maybe they're still in school or they're starting off in their first or second year? Yeah, I think for, first of all, start to work as early as you can. Because nothing beats the experience, and a lot of people are going uh, for for courses. So they're doing online courses. They're reading the papers, but it's not uh, it's not experience. It's like exposure to the training, and uh, being there and seeing how somebody else is doing that. It's not the same thing as doing it yourself. Mm -hmm. So uh, as soon as you can start to work with with someone, if you're not. Uh, capable of working with a huge group of, of, of athletes start with with your friend mm -hmm. like coach him one-on-one -on -one, then slightly increase the group to maybe two people and you will realize how challenging it is to uh to coach to coach people correctly and it's always good to have a fellow coach who's more experienced in in the field who who will from time to time sit next to you and we'll just watch you coaching mm -hmm. and uh, then give you some cues about how you coach because uh, we're very skilled about what we're coaching, but not a lot of us are thinking how we coach. And that's the big gap in our field. And uh, I try to, to fill that gap right now. And I'm reading a lot of, a lot of stuff about uh, how we coaching and uh, about cueing and, and things like that. And uh, I'm developing myself in, in this area uh may maybe soon i'll try to publish some uh some articles uh, maybe some i'll record some some webinar and stuff like mm -hmm. that it's about about uh that that part of coaching not what we coach but how we coach so it's always good to have a more experienced coach uh, assessing you from from the side uh it will help you develop and it will make you a better coach and uh so coach as soon as you can that's that's one thing uh try to set up a, a routine of reading something daily it, it doesn't have to be a big thing it might be an article it doesn't have to be a research paper it might be some blog blog article maybe you can watch some some videos uh, maybe you, you listen to an audiobook but uh build that uh routine of constantly, constantly developing and constantly learning, and uh, yeah, I think uh, not 
there's not a workshop who can beat uh, which can beat an experience of, of mm-hmm. coaching and uh, I don't know maybe see where your holes are maybe you're good at strength training and you're very weak and uh, con- at conditioning training maybe you should uh, check the course on conditioning maybe you should read a book on conditioning maybe it's the other way around mm-hmm. maybe you need to develop some some knowledge when it comes to physical therapy some mobility drills so i don't know it's a uh, for every every other coach it's it's going to be a little bit different it's like try to fill those gaps because at the end of the day the goal is that we already talked about a little bit is to become as well-rounded as you can be yeah. because now now you're able to what it doesn't matter what type of athlete you 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 come forth with you know yeah. you're adaptable to them right. at the end of the day that is yeah not and if you if you know if you know the principles of training you can easily adapt your your training yeah. session to different type of athlete mm-hmm. and uh, and travel a lot meet other coaches talk with them and build your community because that, it's, that it's, is it's the biggest thing, thing to do yeah because yeah. right right now a lot we, we we have an easy job we have everything in our phone or on our mm-hmm. our computer everything is is online right now all the courses especially after corona right now are going to be online yeah. you, you you can do it but uh then you have to be able to work with your athletes talk with your athletes like in person so we have we have to be aware that that we're not losing that ability to to talk face to face to to people and right that's, that's that, the that's thing. the biggest thing i've noticed kind of going off of what you said where it's like and that's been my focus. It's like, do you know how to coach? Like yeah. you said, you, you like for the most part, everybody in this field. And even when it comes to like sports in general, if you're just like a coach coach, like you, you, you have a well base of knowledge. Now it comes down to how do you talk? You know, can you give them the cues? Can you keep it short and sweet? Can you get yep. it down? You know, yep. that's the biggest thing where I look at where, especially coming up where, where I really feel really lucky is having my, my, my hands-on experience yeah. Because like you said, like in the beginning, you're, you're not going to be the best, but that's where you learn what is your style, first of all. How do you apply it, yeah. right? Because everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to go to this workshop. Um, we lost them again. I'm going to go to this workshop. And then, for example, they don't know how to adapt the given knowledge that they learn. They think always, oh, um, it has to be like this. And then there's no way to kind of adapt. And that's the biggest thing you look at coaches now in this day and age where they say, oh, I'm going to go to an exos. Um, certification or I'm going to go to a, a certified functional strength and conditioning certification or I'm going to do a CrossFit certification or I'm going to do let's say DeFranco's certification back in Jersey for example like that's the biggest thing where people don't understand it's like you have to find your own style for you as a coach because that's the biggest thing can you now relate to that given athlete and then communicate that's the biggest thing in our coaching world not only strength coaches but also like we're talking about too American football let's say can you communicate with these athletes because if you can't then what? You're not going to have that buy-in, that trust, and you can't win games, you know? Absolutely. And you also need to see which guys you practice, you train, sorry, which guys you train. Sometimes you can make a little joke about it. Sometimes you just uh, be, uh, be really serious because there's a big game waiting or something like that. So it's really... Um, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, we got you yes. back. I, I was just... Yeah, mom- of, um my my computer died so i'm on the phone right now don't worry about it i was just wrapping up in terms of kind of for myself saying that at the end of the day it it also comes down to you 
finding your style, being able to communicate with the athlete. Because just yep. for me, growing up as, a, as an athlete, I didn't really care for the most part, of course, as I say, but I didn't really care like they were the smartest fucking person in the room. I cared, can I trust this person? Yeah. You know, that was my biggest thing. At the end of the day, you look at it, right? A lot of these professional yep. athletes, they have, they have a specific strength coach for a while because why? Yes, yes they're knowledgeable, but they, they click together because that strength coach can communicate with them. They, they have that fit. And that's what like, you kind of talk about right now. It's like it's, it's this, that face-to-face communication, you know, that, that face-to-face relation that you have with your coach. And I would say, like, like, yeah, let's say you go do a certification. Like I was kind of saying, let's say you go and you do an exos, whatever deal, that's what you're going to do. But then you yeah. apply it. And what I was kind of touching since you got cut off was the hardest thing for a lot of coaches is to be adaptable. They always think, well, I did the certification and what I learned, it has to work. And my, my, yeah. thing, is, and my thing is, is what, if, what, what, what if you can't, let's say the, the structure and the template you learned. Uh, that's exactly what happened to me after I finished yeah. two modules of access. And those modules of access were really based back then on Kaiser stuff because mm-hmm. they were working a lot of um, on, on Kaiser and they, they really had a very professional, still have professional facility. And I brought all that knowledge to the club that I had one double and one trap bar. And now I was like, okay, I just spent like $4,000 on the course and I have to figure out how to use what I learned in that environment that I have right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not the thing that you're going to learn on the, on the course. You have to be there. You have to, to work. You, you, you have to gain the experience. You, you can challenge some coaches like, okay, well, let's say uh, what exercise are you going to use for, the, for your athlete to increase their lower body strength? It's like, okay, simple. I'll, I'll, I'm going to do a back squat. Okay, but your athlete cannot do the back squat because his back hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll do the front squat. Okay, your athlete cannot do the front squat because he has a bad wrist. Okay, I'll do the trap bar. Oh, you don't have a trap bar. All right, I'll go with a dumbbell. Okay, can you go as heavy as a dum- with a dumbbell as you can go with a, uh, with a bar? No, you can. Okay, now imagine that you do not have a dumbbell or you have two dumbbells and 15 athletes. And these are things that you ha- have to figure out Mm-hmm. sometimes on the go when you're working uh with the team and you're not going to learn how to do that by by watching an online course you have to be there and you have to work with with the teams or with an athlete 100 that, that's the biggest thing and it, it goes down just we talked about it. it's like it's experience it's experience at the end of the day you know it's just yep. it's, it's trial and error and you find out what, what is your best method how do you work because like you said it's very different working with in a team setting and then working what individually very yeah. different because some coaches yeah, they don't know how to grab the team or that group they can't do yes. it they don't know how to yeah, you, yes you have to understand the dynamics of the team figure out who, who's the leader who's going to be a little bit behind and how to connect to all those people at the same time how to maybe use your athletes Mm-hmm. to control the rest of the group, how to combine those athletes together when they're working out. So you're building a better team, not the worst team, and, uh, and, and, and stuff like that. These are important things, and I'm not sure you can learn them through, through, through reading articles. No, definitely. Um, well, I mean, we could definitely, this is the thing, right? And I was trying to keep it as general as possible, um, but I know we're already getting a lot of strength coaches out in Poland already following our page, and they want to hear... Michal, um, 
um, about your podcast and everything, what you had to say. So we could definitely do this some other time. Keep getting more in depth, maybe get some other guys on. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. It's a, it's a, it's a topic for a, for a different talk, I think. Definitely. That, that was my deal where I was kind of the, the focus was let's try to keep it more general. But for now, I mean, this is perfect, to be honest. Like, I, I don't mind it. And I know Coach Sebastian learned, learned some things he can apply also for us here in Robinsburg. Also. Yeah. Um, we appreciate having you. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you for having me. Especially at the end of the day, it's also to get out. Like we're kind of talking about our, our biggest focus doesn't matter if it's football, if it's training conditioning, if it doesn't matter if you're in Germany, Poland, in the States, in Japan, what we're reaching out to is for us to kind of help other coaches. It doesn't matter what field you're in. It could be strength conditioning, football, soccer, whatever it is, but bring this community, what, bigger, right? For us to understand from sure. the because just like we talked about, strength coaches and coaches from other, from other fields, like at the end of the day, like we just talked about the topic um, communication, that's big for everybody. You know? Yeah. So we we all relate to this. That's yeah, true. It's it's important to know what you're coaching, but then start to think about how you do it. Right. And uh, I I highly suggest to everyone like to to either have a fellow coach who on on the side who who's gonna be watching and assessing your coaching, mm-hmm. or do the worst thing that you can record yourself and then watch yourself coaching. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I can tell you from my own experience, it's a nightmare to to see yourself mm-hmm. talking, coaching, walking, and, and stuff like that. And you will pick up mistakes that you do that you didn't re- even realize. So uh, in terms of, of being a better coach, that's that's something that I highly recommend to do. It's, it's definitely that, – that, that's one of the biggest things, um, you know, that let's say what, what Kevin Carr does himself when he, when he um, coaches, coaches how to coach. Um, and that's very interesting because it relates back to like, at least for us in the States in our university system, like we have to do either communications or speech class. And what did yep. the teacher do? She taped you and she had you watch it. And then for the next yeah. presentation, and that's one of the hardest things too. Like you said, even watch yourself stand up in front of people and just speak, you yep. know, but that only prepares you now for what the next time you're in that environment. Yeah. 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 That you, you're going to be aware of some things that you're doing. That you, for example, you're not putting your hands in your pockets, or you're not mm-hmm. just grabbing your balls all the time, and things like that. <laughs> you're clicking a pen. People do that too. Yeah. I used to do it back in the day. But anyhow, appreciate having you. We wish you a yes, wonderful nice Easter Monday, and then we'll talk, okay? Yeah, I'm not gonna have a barbecue. By the way, are you eating barbecue on Easter? We did that on Saturday. Oh, I love that country. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> what are you having? Uh, eggs. <laughs> And salad. Yeah, we put the eggs in the salad for the for the meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you put All the right. in the barbecue. Yeah. yeah. All right. Take it easy. Yeah. Well, bye. Have a good bye. day. Yeah. Thanks. Bye.